welcome to Asking for a Friend, a Park Springs podcast. I'm Taylor, and each week I'll sit down with a godly mentor figure in my life and ask questions with the hope of receiving practical and biblical advice on the hard-to-navigate areas of daily life. Thank you for joining. Welcome back, everyone. This is part two of our listener questions episode, and... We tried to fit it all into one episode, but we honestly received so many good questions and wanted to answer them really thoroughly, so it just made the most sense to split it into two smaller episodes, and here we go. We're going to jump right back in. Our next question is, um, dying and going to heaven sounds like such a good deal. What's the point of being here if we desire so deeply to be with God, and how do we deal with that? And wanting to be with God in heaven instead of here on mm. earth. Mm. That's a good question. Um, that I've, I've definitely like kind of asked myself that question. I think most people have at some point. Typically when life is tough, I would say, um, it can be a reaction to, um, yeah, just hardship here on this side of eternity. And kind of asking ourselves, what's the point of going through this? Um, the Bible paints a really clear picture in a lot of different places that experiencing struggle and trial in this life is a form of preparation for what heaven actually is going to be. Now, I think we typically think of heaven as this kind of disembodied reality floating on clouds, but that's not really the picture. Um, You know, work, the idea of work and accomplishing something predates sin into the world. And so I think there are, there is still going to be on some level like a mission to be accomplished with God. Like we were made to co-rule God's creation with him, like to share in his joy. And that's not going to end. And so what you get all the time um, in the New Testament, especially is like, hey, um, count it joy when you experience trials, Mm -hmm. like when you go through suffering, like all of it is doing a work in your own heart and life to prepare you for what it's actually going to be like to be with our savior face to face. Um, and so I like, um, um, Paul, Paul wrote that this light and momentary affliction mm-hmm. is preparing in us, preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. Yeah. Um, and so there is this work to be done in our lives to prepare us for what it's going to be like to be with Jesus face to face. And, uh, God has his purposes in that. I would hope that every Christian has a pull and desire in their heart on some level to leave and go be with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've felt that in different ways at different times. And there's definitely been at different times like, God, well, you know, I hope I make it here till I get married so I can experience marriage or I hope till I have a kid so I can experience being a dad. And so there are the things on this side of eternity that also have their pull. Um, but even even within that, Christians on some level should have some godly dissatisfaction with this yeah. life. You know, um, you know how, how did C.S. Lewis put it? He said, if you find yourself with the desire that nothing in this world can meet, the logical conclusion should be that you were made for a different world. Yeah. And so there should be this a little bit of something's missing yeah. because we do live in this broken world. And uh, our eternal home is not here. Um, But God has us here for a purpose. 
and if all you're doing is kind of daydreaming about it all ending, you're missing what God has for you, that he has a work for you to accomplish. Um, He calls you to be light in a dark world, and you're going to get eternity with Jesus. And until that moment happens within God's plan and timing, you should be looking around this this reality, this world, for what God might call you into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's, he's doing a work. He's preparing you for something more. And I think, doesn't Ecclesiastes talk about that a little bit? Like, um, just, if I'm not mistaken, it talks about how, like, it's okay to enjoy the things you have now. Yeah. You know, like the, do you know what I mean? Um, I'm not sure. Ecclesiastes a, a talks a lot that everything is vanity. Right. It's all pointless other than serving God. Maybe I'll cut this out. I was reading through Ecclesiastes and I thought that like one part of it had said, like, it's not wrong to enjoy the things that you have here on earth and that God has <laughs> given you. I mean, I don't have the book memorized and, and I would agree with that statement for sure. You know, there are, I think there's good things in this world. It's God's good creation. It, yeah. It's messed up a little bit by sin, but there are, you know, yeah. food tasting delicious is a good gift from God. Um, yeah. Having people that you love and enjoy is a good gift from God. Yeah. Having fun experiences, good gifts from God. And I would encourage you to enjoy all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Just like looking forward to heaven, but also taking time to enjoy the things that well, we have here. Yeah. Because this is, you know, a, for, a foretaste. So, you know, like I said, heaven's not this disembodied reality. It's the new heaven, new earth. So it's going to be God's creation restored to what it was supposed to be before sin. Yeah. And so, and we're going to co-reign with Christ. And so, yeah, like there are like mountains being awesome and beautiful. Mm. Think still going to be a thing in heaven. I think food being delicious, I think will still be, a, you know, you know, definitely will still be, you know, we're entering into that re- eternity with a wedding feast mm-hmm. is what it talks about in Revelation. So I think there are a lot of things on this side that are supposed to point us towards heaven and we get to enjoy even here, even with the brokenness of sin around us. Yeah, that's good. Next question, okay. shifting gears again. Shift them. Um, does the Bible really provide all the answers to your questions and worries? Um, it depends on what you mean by all your questions. Um, I So... How we read the Bible matters Mm -hmm. and having a good approach to what the Bible is and probably also what it is not. So I I always kind of compare it. I think sometimes people want to treat it, and this might be a different generation. Do you know what a magic eight ball is? Mm -hmm. Did you Mm -hmm. have those as a kid? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure. I have one at home. I don't feel like I see them anymore in stores. Mm. Yeah. So it's kind of like. Uh, should I date this guy, right, exactly. shake it, and then you get the answer like yes or maybe or try uh, again later. Try again later. Um, in that sense, no. Right. That's not how the Bible works. The Bible's a little fortune teller book. You just open it. And... Yeah. Yeah. It's not our <laughs> genie. Um, the Bible is a um, is God's revelation of Himself that is designed to lead us into relationship with Him by us growing in our understanding of who he is. Yeah. So we discover or discern or learn answers to life questions in relationship with Jesus. And the Bible is the primary tool for that. Um, 
So it does have answers to certain questions. You know, there's a lot of moral statements and judgments made in the Bible. So some things are very definitive of right and wrong at times. Yeah. But there's going to be lots of things that you're not going to find a specific Bible verse that speaks to your very specific instance. And the Bible is written for us, but, you know, most of the books of the Bible have a very specific audience in mind. So what the Bible does, it helps us know God. Yeah. And then in relationship, we can ask God our questions. And as we grow in that relationship and learn to understand his will and his prompting and his voice in our own life is when we get very specific answers at times. Yeah. Um, but it's, it is to lead us into relationship with God. It's not, yeah, it's not our magic eight ball to shake and hope, hope you get an answer. Now, sometimes it has provided me some great clarity on questions I'm facing in life. And cause I'm, you know, I'm turning to God in his word to, uh, because I genuinely want to have his input into my life. And so there are some questions it does answer, yeah. but that's not the purpose of the Bible. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. It is really easy. Um, like we've probably all done that, you know, when we face like, okay, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to flip through until I find something I've underlined before. And hopefully it mentions. It speaks to me. Yeah. <laughs> but well, and God does speak through his word. Um, but yeah. I think it's important that like we're, we're seeking God when we read the Bible. Mm. We're not seeking the answers to the our answers. problems. Yeah. 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 Which the answer is Jesus, but yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. And there's a lot of things, you know, just think about how, um, I mean, there's very specific questions we face now, like a couple of weeks back, we talked about social media. Bible's mm -hmm. not gonna, Bible's not gonna say anything about social anything media. It doesn't say anything about uh, how much I'm addicted to my screen. Mm. You know, you're not going to find those things in the Bible. Um, does it have insights and input and, and can reading the Bible help me wade through those different questions I face? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm not going to find the Bible verse that necessarily speaks to my specific moment. The Bible is supposed to point me back to God. And then yeah. as I walk with God in relationship, um, that is where I learn to discern his will when I face difficult questions. Yeah. A term I hear a lot on podcasts like this one is wisdom principles. Mm -hmm. Like the Bible, you know, like you said, it's not just to provide answers, but it can provide wisdom, like yeah. timeless wisdom. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's a problem. Sometimes we read ourselves into the Bible too much, mm -hmm. you know, um, we're not David facing our own Goliath, <laughs> you know, that's. That's not how the Bible was designed to work. You know, we do have to ask ourselves with a lot of the instruction given the Bible, like, okay, what's the setting? Who's the audience? Who's the author? Why, why were they writing at this point to these people? Now, we, I think there's things for us in every aspect of scripture, but it is easy to kind of misuse to make us the subject of the Bible when that's, right. that's not good biblical interpretation. And so what we should strive to do is be in a close relationship with God. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's where we get answers to tough questions. Mm. That's a good, good answer. Good stuff. It's not for me. It's things people have right. taught me. <laughs> Next one. Okay. Um, why does God let such bad things in this world happen? Like kidnapping, mass murders, shootings, etc. Okay. Uh, I'm going to let you feel this one, Taylor. Really? What do you think? Um... Well, I think that all of those things are a result of sin being in the world. So I don't think that it's necessarily God doing these things, right? Like it's not, it would have never 
been in God's design for terrible things like that to happen before sin. But um, we live in a broken world with broken people who do broken things. And I think that God can use those terrible events to um, draw us closer to him. Um, which is hap that happens with a lot of trials, right? Like um, things like this, or you think of like a family member dying of cancer or anything like that. Um, that's just an opportunity for us to lean into God more. So I think that while these terrible things are not in God's design, he can use them um, ultimately. That would be my answer. Yeah, I think it's a good answer. I think it is um, one of the classic questions of the Christian faith, or yeah. typically, I would say for outsiders, but even for people inside the faith, on if God is all good, why do bad things happen? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and personally, that's one of the things I, I, I love about the Bible is it's very honest. And so, you know, we were talking about this not too long ago, and the kind of big picture story of the world is that hell has invaded God's good creation mm -hmm. and that um, most of it is what people do to each other. There are, you know, broken things as nature, like, like sickness and, and, you know, even natural disasters. Like, um, and I, I think, not a think, the Bible's pretty clear. God, God hates that. Mm -hmm. um, and that wasn't, yeah, his design. Um, and we do, I think, yeah, I think the big thing is recognizing that people's role in bringing that about. Um, and so it is, you know, it is a good question to ask, you know, if the worst happens, could I still say God is good? Mm. Um, I, I think that's something we're, we all have to ask ourselves. Um, and yeah, I would agree with your answer that even, even in the worst case scenario, God can redeem those things. Yeah. And cause you, you think about, I mean, our example is Jesus. Worst of humanity on display. Yeah. Um, you know, can't pick a more vile way to execute someone. And, yeah, and people did it. People mm -hmm. did it. And for what reason? You know, he was the guy walking around healing people that were sick. Um, but God used that act, that evil, violent act, to bring about the salvation of the world. And so God is going to use um, all of the evil and all of the brokenness. It will ultimately reveal his glory and his goodness and his purposes in this world. But it is hard to live in the brokenness of the world. Yeah. Yeah, especially when you think about these big things that happen on, you know, the mass scale. But... Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, it's it's not new. And that's why, you know, to me, so the message of the Bible. So a lot of times I think we're always looking for an external solution to our problems. Yeah. Like, oh, if I only had more money or if I had this, that would fix the problems I have. And, you know, and people do that in the world. You know, if we could just get the, the right people elected into office, that would fix these problems or, you know, get the right economic system in place that would fix these problems or if we can get better education 
and and I think that's a problem. So what the Bible describes is like it's not an external problem; it's an internal problem. It's the human heart's evil, and so it's not getting the right circumstances in place, and then we get this perfect society. No, it's we need something that transforms a human heart, and the only person who can do that's God, because in our heart um, there's darkness. And any of us that don't think we're capable of evil, I don't think we're being that honest because giving the right circumstance, all of us are capable of really terrible things. And that's why you have seen it on the mass scale when it, you know, has infected a society. You know, you think about like Nazi Germany or any of those really horrific acts. You know, we all think we would be the one person that stood up to that evil, um, but there's a really good chance that we wouldn't have been, you know. And so what we need is not, something outside of ourselves to be different we need an internal change to our own wickedness in our hearts and that's only can only be done by god yeah 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 i think that's a question a lot of people ask so that was a good one um another one that's good (laughs) why do people think science is behind everything when it is clearly god okay why do people think? Okay, um, no, this. I love the phrasing. Yeah, um, <laughs> no, this actually speaks to something that really kind of frustrates me on some level. Um, I feel like we we tag this phrase science onto a whole lot of different things, and it's kind of being used in a weird way. So even like right now. You know, you think about this past year with COVID and everything, like, oh, we have to follow the science or believe the science or, and you, have you seen the sign in people's yard that's like, in this house, we believe science, yes. we, yeah, yeah, it has a bunch of them, but the science one's at the top. Yes, um, it's. <laughs> that's a, it's an interesting statement to me. Okay, it's, so, I mean, I do not have a, I have a political science degree, which is, you know, a, a liberal arts degree, not a hard science degree. Um science is observation that's you know that's the scientific method you know try to observe what's happening in the universe and then see if you can replicate it and then you can kind of establish like oh that's why this is happening and so it is interesting how people kind of in some ways use the term science almost in a religious sense these days like i believe science it's like well scientifically you're supposed to question everything and try to like repeat and form hypothesis and challenge and understand better yeah, and there also is, like, a science camp and a God camp. Like, you can't be in both. Uh, well, people want you to think you can't people, be in both. Yeah, like, yeah. people want, in society, or people that aren't in the church, they have this no. idea that if you're believing in God, then you don't believe in science. Like, yeah. you can't do both. Yeah, and that's why I think it's kind of funny, the way <laughs> the term science is used. It's like, I mean, if you just walk through the scientific method, like, the different steps that we all learned at some point yes. in ninth grade biology or something, uh, none, none of it is anti-God in the least. Um, so how, how, I, how I view it is um, science for us, like the, the practice and discipline of scientific inquiry can answer a lot of the how questions of life. So like how do cells replicate and how does this work and how do these gravitational laws work and think, you know, that's what, it's, that's what science can do for us. Yeah. Um, it is not designed to and it's incapable of answering why questions in life yeah and so it can answer you know 
you know, to, to the extent of like, you know, how cancer works or how does this drug treatment work on this disease and how does, how much force does it take to get an object outside of Earth's atmosphere? Um, it can't answer the question of existence because that's not observable, you know, so why are we here? Uh, why do we have a conscience? It, it can't answer those questions. So I, I don't see faith and science being at odds. Um, they're answering two different sets of questions. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I would say science, science is great with a lot of how questions. And it's not really set up to um, answer a why question. And it's not supposed to. And so um, at some point, it kind of devolved into these two different rails. But they're really not at odds with each other. Um, I think one of the big debates that kind of set it up in two different camps is origin of the universe and origin of species. So going back to the evolution, yeah. um, evolutionary theory. And so at the time, it was kind of proffered as like, hey, here's an alternative way humans got here that's outside of God putting us here. Uh, but even if you dig in, we could go down a rabbit trail on this. Um, even now... To the best of scientific knowledge, it looks like the universe had a starting point. Yeah. So as much as they can understand, and I'm not probably up to date on everything, but as much as I've read and stuff, like it looks like the universe at one point wasn't, and then at one point began. Yeah. And that's that's what they're observing as they look to space, and I don't understand all that because people are way smarter than me. So even like that notion is really cool. Like I love like stuff on space, and like I I can nerd out on some of that on how big the galaxies are and stuff like that. And that the galaxy is expanding, which is kind of a crazy notion that I don't really understand how that works, but it all yeah. looks like it had a single starting point and a fixed starting point and then expanded out from there. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think scientists are trying to figure out how that works, but that's still not answering like why it happened. Yeah. You know? And so I have a whole lot of confidence that it happened because God started it all. Yeah. Um, and so even, you know, and there's different, you know, the term uh, apologetics is, you know, like a yeah, rational, a up. rational defense of the Christian faith. Like why, why Christianity makes the most sense. You know, they talk about that. Like if the universe had a starting point, you know, it had to have something started that's outside of the reality we currently understand. Like uh, you can't get something from nothing. Yeah. And so that's not something that people have observed like. Things don't spontaneously generate, you know, and even some of the scientific laws we would buy into, you know, the law of the conservation of matter, things are neither created nor destroyed. They move, they transition to another state of matter. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, well, there's something outside of what we understand had to put those things in place. Yeah. And honestly, I think a lot of science points back to the existence of um, a, a, a rational being outside of what we understand because nature does work on observable laws. Exactly. The laws of nature are not constantly changing. What is, um, isn't it, what is it called? Like the fine-tuned, the apologetics? That, yeah, there's Where a lot. they specifically talk about like how well, they talk about Earth. There's like certain numbers and there's certain points that everything works perfectly. Like if gravity was, you know, just a little bit stronger or a little bit weaker, it would make everything oh, we messed all, up. We all die. <laughs> you know, so just so that little... one talks about the fine tuning argument talks about like how Earth is perfectly situated for life. Yeah, and like so far in all of the planets we've observed, nothing could definitely not sustain human life. But even they haven't found any form of other life, which honestly would 
would not mess with my faith if they found some bacteria or some things living on other planets. I think that'd be pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, there's so many things like change it a tiny bit mm-hmm. and all life on Earth as we know it is completely destroyed. Yeah, which yeah. makes you think like somebody... Well, it, to me, it makes me ask the question, like kind of the starting point idea. And that's why I struggle with the idea of macro evolution is that there's a lot of things that like can't go in a process. It's kind of an all or nothing endeavor. Yeah. So... And, but yeah, like once I said, we could go get into the weeds on that. So I heard, you know, I've read some different arguments, like, like how our eyes work. You, you, it's not like, oh, I could have a little bit of vision and then it could grow a little stronger. It's like if one thing and our eye is gone, no vision. Right. So how did we like develop? So like, I do think So many things in the human body are like that. Yeah, a lot. And so the idea to me, it's, um, it's a leap. And I, I personally, even like I said, you know. I have a degree in theology and political science. I'm not a biologist, but going from a single-celled organism to going to humans, that doesn't, consciousness. That doesn't make a lot of sense to mm. me. Um, we could so, do a whole episode on that. Yeah, also. so I would definitely, you know, I think God created the earth. I, you know, I do think things have adapted and changed in crazy ways over time because we can see that. Um, that is observable, but some of the other some of the other um, scientific theories that are out there, I think, are taking some big leaps, and that there's not strong evidence to right. support all the conclusions. Yeah. So, so, short answer, like science and God are not. No. What is the word mutually exclusive? Correct. That's they can overlap. Term. Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. Science. Okay. You know, it's it's supposed to be this process that humans have developed to observe the world around us and reach conclusions about how the world works, which is incredible. Yeah. You know, and so that's why we keep making technological advances because we can compound our knowledge, and we can study, and we have developed tools and ways to observe in deeper levels, way way beyond me. You know, it's incredible yeah. what um, people have been able to discover about the world, and it's awesome. I think that's a really cool thing. Yeah. All right, last question okay. on our listener questions two-parter episode. Um, I might have sent this one in. I'm not going to lie. Okay, go for it. How do you know if the Holy Spirit is convicting you to do something or if you just want to do something? <laughs> yeah. Um, so revisit your magic eight ball. Shake that. Shake the eight ball and... Whatever it says goes. Put a fleece on your yard, and if it is wet, no, that's a judge's reference. Mm. Story of Gideon. Um, so, like, if it's something that's Christiany or God-ish, and you're trying to decide if it's just like your own desire or if it's God given. So I thought of this question because I hear oft. Oh, sorry, I hear often about people are like, um, I was in the coffee shop and the Holy Spirit just convicted me to go up to this person and talk to them, or the Holy Spirit was prompting me to talk to this person. And I'm like, honestly, I don't know if I've ever experienced that before because yeah. of course I have desires to talk to people, but where do those desires? come from yeah. and are is that the holy spirit convicting me or me just wanting to talk to this person who's sitting alone at a coffee shop that kind of thing yeah might be both is there a way to separate the two well so in in that situation um i would say go for it if it's you or god it's fine um if it's more something that has bigger implications on your life I might want to go through a process of prayer and asking some other trusted people. If it's, if it's just a good thing, go for it. I think that is how God, yeah. Like 
like approaching somebody, a stranger and talking to them about Jesus. You know, if you feel that little pull in your heart, just go for it. You know, if yeah. it's like, okay, I could give money to this homeless person or I could carry this old lady's groceries to her car. You know, any any of those types of acts of service, I would just say go, go for, for it. it. You know, Every if it time. occurs... I, I think so. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, you could get into the weeds on, I mean, on, um, you know, if it's something that's dangerous or potentially could put you in a bed. I mean, there's lots of, there's so many different situations of life. Yeah. So for bigger things, I heard you say like, run it by trusted community members and prayerfully, prayerfully consider it. Yeah. Well, I would say if it's a, uh, if it's a moral question, that is something that the Bible is very helpful in discerning the will. So there's what, there's, the way we typically talk about the will of God is there is his revealed will and then there is his special will. So his revealed will is like kind of what is right and wrong. He's shared a lot of it with us. And so we do get a lot of that in the Bible. And so if it's like a a question of like, hey, should I cheat on my taxes or not? Like, no, you shouldn't. You know, or any other type yeah. of moral quandary. Like, ooh, like um, I found this other woman attractive. Should I cheat? Like, do I feel this prompting to have a relationship? No, uh, the answer is no. That is not from like the you Holy don't. Spirit. Yeah, you don't have to pray about those things. God has nice. revealed. Okay. What is true? You know, um, th- those kind of questions. Like God's revealed, and that's why it's really good to know the Bible because we get to know the heart of mm. God in what is right and what is wrong. Now, there's other things like that aren't necessarily a moral question. So like, should I take this job or that job? Right. That's not a right or wrong. Or like, should I, I guess, like, should I confront this person about this? Things like that. Yeah. So that takes some more discernment. I I would say for most of us, we kind of need to work against our bents. And so personally, like I'm a very rational person. I'm very rational. I'm very pragmatic, which means I think at times I don't necessarily listen to the spirit's promptings Mm. because I'm very rational. Yeah. And so I know for myself, I need a bit more of the, just go for it. Like I need to be probably a bit more impulsive because you think I, I, so one of the things I reflect on is that Hebrews 11, six says without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so if every single decision I'm making you know, I do a pro con list and I consult three friends and then I pray about it for a week. Maybe I'm just reaching a rational conclusion and not a faith filled conclusion. Um, but on the flip side, so say if that's not you, if you're very impulsive, maybe don't make a major decision without taking weeks. Based on the yeah. 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 And they're like, oh, I just sold my house because the spirit moved in my heart today. It's like, maybe that wasn't the spirit, you know? Right. You know, so maybe that's good. It we need to know ourselves. I like that. So that we can, you know, be be work prepared. against what is ourselves and allow for God to work in that. So that's once good. again, it is in relationship. And so if I am walking with God daily, you know, I am spending time in the word, I'm spending time in prayer, I'm not straying into immoral areas or areas of sin. If you know, if I'm walking with the Lord in that daily close relationship and I feel a pull on my heart to do something, mm. I should be prone to do it. If, you know, I haven't talked to God in three months and then this thing pops in front of me that I want and then I want to just justify like, oh, well, God told me to do it. Well, I would question that. Yeah. So, but if I'm, if I'm, if I'm walking with God in my daily relationship and I feel a pull, pull towards something, um, yeah, I should go for it. 
When you say feel a pull, can you describe that just a little bit? Because I feel like some people, my friends, <laughs> they maybe don't understand what that means. Yeah. Um, and I know it's different for everyone. Like it's a very yeah, personal Yeah, I thing. think God does interact with us on a personal level. I'm trying to think of how to verbalize when I've experienced it. Yeah. Um, there has been times when I felt like I should do something that is not something I would naturally do. Like it's outside of my norm or my comfort zone. And there, yeah, so there, there's, man, there's a handful of times that it was probably the clearest I would say like God was speaking to me. Yeah. So not something audible, but something like, I just knew like I'm supposed to do this thing at this time. And so, yeah, it's kind of, you know, it's almost like a thought in my head. Okay. Yeah. So it's like something's presented to me like, yeah, like go talk to this person or um, go check on this friend or you need to say this thing in this setting, even if you don't want to. And the times I have said yes to that and followed mm. through to that is like, okay, it's kind of filed something in my brain. Like, okay, that's God. Yeah. And so... I need to allow room in my life to be aware when I'm starting to kind of feel that thing or have those thoughts that aren't immoral, aren't of me because it's not my natural bents. That's God. And that's what I need to say yes to. Um, and so it's a practice, you know, and so Jesus talks about, he says, my sheep hear my voice. And so it is this like posture of like, okay, God, like I believe that you speak to us. And so I need to allow into my, my point of view that like, okay, if I feel this thing or think this thing, maybe it's not just from me, maybe it is from God and be open to that idea that God's talking to me. Yeah. Yeah. And so if it's, and also if it's, you know, something that is within God's revealed will is a good thing, like almost always do it. Like if you get an inclination to pray for somebody, pray for them. Yeah. You know, you know, if you get an inclination to talk to a stranger, talk to a stranger. Like those, yeah. are, I think, are things God has made clear are good things. You know, being generous with our money, you know, those are things, you know, within God's word are obviously of God. And so, yeah, if you get those thoughts or promptings or an inclination, I would yeah. say go for it. You know, that's mm. where I think that's where our faith grows. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. All right. That's the end of our list. Whoa. Those are a lot of big questions. A I lot know. that we could spend more than I know we spent time, but we could spend a more whole time. episode on each more one. Time. I mean Yeah, discerning the will of God is is yeah. yeah, knowing what's the Holy Spirit and what's myself. That and sometimes that can get really tough. Yeah. Um get messy. Well just it can be very difficult because so and I think you've heard us share a little bit, like so one of the things for me and Emily, that has been something we've really had to work through. I've always wanted to go overseas as a missionary. Yeah. And it gets really hard for me to tell. So I have a very strong sense of adventure. I like things cross-culturally. I like those things. So is that from me or is that from God? Mm. It's really easy to be like, oh, that's a God thing because it's going, go. <laughs> to be, going to be a cool missionary. And so it's something like we've had to work through together. Like, And I've had to ask myself, like is this just a me thing or is this something like I need to push my family towards? And so sometimes it can get very, very difficult to discern 
the will of God on that level. Yeah. Mm. In relationship, walk with the Lord daily. Yep. That's the bottom line to all these questions. Yes, it is. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. It's been a good season, Taylor. Yep. And we will be back. Season two. At some point with more episodes. Is it going to be like Netflix? We have to wait to see if the show gets picked up for a second season. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll see if my, uh, my company, my, my, my church, if they want to, if they want to let me have another season, but, um, yeah, we'll be back and it'll be another good season with some good topics. So if you have anything, you can always send it in because if you don't, I'll keep picking stuff. Sounds good. I like it. All right. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to Asking for a Friend. If you have any questions, feedback, or topic suggestions, please email us at askingforafriend@psbible.com. If you're interested in learning more about our church, visit psbible.com. Bye.